Hello, and thanks for listening. This is a special edition of our usual Getting to Know You podcast. Um, Alan is uh, Potish is here with me. He's the CEO of Jewish Federation of the Desert. Alan, why don't you give us an update on what the current situation is in Israel? Well, uh, Jeff, thank you for doing this today. Today is October the 12th when this is being recorded, uh, and it's day six of the war between Israel and Hamas. Uh, it, for me, this has been the most tragic uh, event uh, in my current uh, history connecting to Israel uh, and seeing the devastation that has taken place over the past six days. I think as of today, the, the death count, the murderous death count in Israel is over 1,200 individuals. I'm sure that's going to increase. The most dramatic part or tra- challenging part was to learn of the 260 young adults who were slaughtered at a music festival uh, in southern Israel, outside of, uh, uh, in the Negev, and then to learn of the captives, the individuals that have been uh, taken from their homes, children, women, men, elderly people, people with disabilities, dragged out of their homes and taken over the border into Gaza. Uh, There are many, many questions that are still going to come out, but I think it's very important to look at this as one of the most... uh, dramatic, tragic incidences in modern uh, Israeli life. It exceeds that of the Yom Kippur War, which was 50 years ago, and 50 years in a day from the uh, infiltration from Hamas into Israel, from Gaza into Israel. Uh, And so there's some parallel there. There are quite a few other issues that are at hand that people are kind of analyzing. But uh, for me, I was around for the Yom Kippur War. I was around for the Six-Day War. But as an adult, this is one of the most uh, tragic um, experiences I've, I've seen coming out of Israel. The other part, Jeff, before I let you ask me some more questions, is that, that I was just in that region less than a month ago yeah. in the same communities of, of Sterot and the Kibbutzim in that area that were infiltrated and overtaken. The other thing is the, uh, the attack took place on Shabbat and the last day of some festival holidays. Yeah, it seems like these types of attacks usually happen during high holidays. You know, I think they're trying to, you know, cause the most damage, both emotionally and physically. Um, There's been a lot of talk that this was a surprise. Did you see any kind of buildup that was leading to this kind of? Well, I think that's one of the questions that will be analyzed for years to come. Yes, it was a surprise. Uh, The border you know, I was literally on the border with between Israel and Gaza a month ago and didn't see any irregularities. Uh, and the border has been fairly secure for you know, years since 2005 when Israel uh, left Gaza. Uh, and it's currently been its independent um, entity, you know, led by Hamas, a terrorist group. Um, and their charter, you know, talks about the destruction of of Israel and the Jewish people. So they have a longstanding um, covenant to destroy Israel. Um, and so that's a challenge. But I think that the surprise is uh, Israel has felt very secure over the past several years with the relationship with Gaza. There was a conflict in 2021, just two years ago, and where Hamas said they were not going to uh, you know, escalate the situation. Uh, they let other entities within Gaza do that. And so Israel, I think, might have saw that as an opportunity to strengthen 
a peace tie with Hamas, although that was just a ruse. Uh, the other piece is that the West Bank and southern Lebanon have been hot spots, and Israel's paying attention to those evolutions. We learned today there were more uh, rockets fired out of Lebanon and Syria towards Israel. So there's constant attacks uh, on Israel from all the border areas, most significantly, though, coming out of Gaza still today, even after Israel's started to um, address uh, through bombings into Gaza. Well, and this is at a time when there's been dialogue with Saudi Arabia to really do more peace talks, you know, get the countries all working together. And, you know, it just seems that they do this specifically to set that off balance. I, I clearly, I think, Jeff, that's one of the angles that people are looking at, that in history, in years past, when Israel has started to have uh, relationships with its external neighbors, uh, you know, they have a cold peace or a peace with Jordan and Egypt. And with the Abraham Accords most recently, they've expanded those relationships to Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, Morocco, and others. Uh, and recently, between the United States, Israel, and Saudi Arabia to establish those uh, opportunities to normalize relations with Saudi Arabia. I believe, and again, I'm not a military strategist or a political strategist, just, just a very acute uh, observer, that Iran doesn't want this to happen. And Iran funds Hamas, uh, they fund Hezbollah, according to the, res the resources I know about. Um, and so I think that Iran had a role in, this is not the right time for uh, us to sit down, sit back, we need to see a response. And so Hamas, whether they got direction from Iran or not, I don't know. But clearly the timing of this is uh, is in line to, to your question. Yeah, and it just seems like, you know, Israel is one of the leaders in the world in technology and advancement in a lot of different things, hydroponics and, and you know, culture and everything. And I think that you know, again, they try to to keep Israel off balance because they are forming partners around the world and trying to normalize relations in a lot of different ways. Right. When you say keeping them off balance, you're referring to Hamas, Iran and other yeah, entities, yeah. their foes. You're absolutely correct. And, and there was a, a plan when Israel uh, you know, left Gaza in 2005. There, <coughs> excuse me, there were 9,000. Israeli settlers that were living in Gaza who were uprooted uh, into uh, from Gaza into Israel, uh, similar to what Israel had to do when they gave back the Sinai, which they won in the Six-Day War. Um, so there were settlements and Israelis living on Kibbutzim and Moshavim and in cities in the Sinai, and they left also uh, into Israel proper. Many of them ended up back in, in Gaza and then... Um, forced out uh, in 2005. And there was this idea that in 2005 that Hamas and Fatah, the two leading political entities leading the West Bank and Gaza, to use Gaza as a worldwide example of advancement. Um, there was lots of aid coming around from the, the European world, the United States, to help rebuild Gaza as a city, I often, or as a, a country. And I look at it as a an example of, of other small entities that have prospered in, in past years, you know, Singapore being one of them, a highly dense uh, community, and Gaza is highly dense. And, you know, they're very smart uh, individuals. It's a, an opportunity that, that Gaza could have become a flourishing community, but instead the leadership of um, Hamas and Fatah had an election in 2007, and Hamas won. And they wanted to annihilate Israel. So their mission since then has been to 
uh, have been constant conflict with Israel. As Americans, we're used to being able to travel openly through our country. Give us an idea. You said you were at the border. Give us an idea, a snapshot of what it's like to be on the border of Gaza and also, you know, other uh, checkpoints leading into Israel. Well, I don't want to really get into the checkpoint piece, but I was on the border with Egypt and the border with Israel. And there are pass-through locations constantly, uh, whether it's for uh, commerce or for travel. Uh, After a period of time, I can't remember the exact date, but Israel had uh, open borders for workers coming out of Gaza, going back and forth. And I think the number at one time was some 40,000 people every day uh, leaving Gaza to come into Israel to, to work and back and forth. Uh, and most recently, after I think 2021, it was reduced to 15 or 20,000 people. So there was a porous border to begin with. Mm-hmm. There were two actual uh, borders where people could go in and out of, one for pedestrian purposes, for going to work, and then another for commerce. So very similar to what we experience here in the United States between Mexico and the United yeah. You know, people come and work in the, in the two countries all the time. So I think they don't talk about those no, things. No, they've not. I've not heard any media mainstream media report on the fluidity of Gaza. Now, granted, Gaza is a an area, a very small area with two million people. But if you look at the video pictures from, you know, the news reports, you see it's a metropolis. It's tall buildings, it's skyscrapers, it's, you know, satellite dishes, antenna. It's a community. It's a, it's a, but it's a tragic, you know, community. But the world portrays it one way uh, in Israel and the people in Gaza have tried to make it work. And this was uh, a surprise. So the Federation obviously does a lot of support financially and otherwise to Israel. Um, tell us a little bit about the support, and then we'll talk a little bit about the event we just had. So the support that we provide is primarily for social programs, for educational programs, for youth programs, for community development. And our current efforts primarily are in the Negev, so which is why uh, I was in that part of the, the country a month ago to kind of see where our efforts were going. There's a community called Netzana, which is on the border with Egypt, and they're doing amazing things with education. Yeah, Ben Gurion University is there. University. Yeah. It's a very, very, very um, successful part of Israel, and it's in the desert. It looks a lot like you know, the Coachella Valley. Which yeah, I think there's is, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. There is, uh, and so you know, very interesting things on how the communities there work together uh, to be able to strengthen not only the 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 Jewish perspective, the Israeli perspective, but also with the Bedouins and the um, Arabs that live in that area. There are many, many Bedouins that live in the Negev, and uh, the work that we do sometimes benefits the Bedouin community as well. So um, the JFNA also provides opportunities for the local federations to help support different programs. So just give us a little bit of a um, you know, a couple words on how you work with JFNA when these different situations come so up. So the Jewish Federations of North America, or JFNA, is, I would say, it's a an affiliate parent type of organization where many of the resources that we get coming out of World Jewelry uh, comes through them. 
and also where needs are. So there are financial campaigns being held right now that JFNA, the Jewish Agency for Israel, the Jewish Joint Distribution Committee, the American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee, and others who provide social services and um, relief efforts in Israel. So those entities are putting together campaigns. We have our own campaign that we're um, doing called Swords of Iron, which is the, the title of this operation. And on our website, we have a link for that. But uh, the other day, we hosted a community gathering. Uh, we had well over 160 people in this building that came out to support Israel. We had our local clergy and some some leaders kind of um, share their thoughts. But it was the first time that we could come together as a community to address the support for Israel. Well, I think it's important that people try to gather and because these types of times are very emotional. And when you come together, you know, in a common area and everybody has an opportunity to talk and, and vent their frustrations and, and talk about how they can support both, you know, the Federation locally and Israel as a whole. Um, yeah, it was just great seeing everybody come together. I think part of that also, Jeff, is that almost everybody that I've spoken to in the past six days, five days, they have a first or second degree connection to somebody who's either been killed, wounded, attacked, or held in captivity. Uh, and it's very, very painful. In years yeah. past, you know, you might know somebody who knew somebody who had a relative died this way. In this conflict, almost everybody that I have been in touch with has a first degree connection, whether it's a cousin, a neighbor, a close friend who's been a victim of this. It seems like this one's a little bit different in that so many civilians were attacked. Well, solely civilians were attacked. You know, initially, it was the military that, were, that was attacked at the border. We're still learning more about that. But to think about these, these terrorists that infiltrated from Gaza into uh, communities, into Moshavim, into Kibbutzim, into the dance festival, they targeted civilians. We're learning today, we're learning every day of babies, of elderly people just being slaughtered. Uh, forgive me for being so brutal, but n no age was um, was let uh, go. I mean, they were just brutal. We're talking about uh, houses that were torched and people died in their safe rooms uh, from suffocation. The stories that we're learning daily, uh, just painful, very and, painful. And then you hear stories of heroes. There was one where this guy saved like 30 people's lives at the festival. Right. You know, um, it... it I, I think these types of um, situations are show the best and the worst of people, you know, and, and fortunately, there are a lot of people that are willing to, to give their life to, to help other people and save other people. We have been reading stories of, of friends and neighbors being shot and covering, you know, children to protect them. It's, 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 it is, this has been a brutal attack on civilians uh, not seen before at this magnitude anywhere that I'm familiar with. Well, and it's a, a bit different too, in that there's so, like a lot of Americans were in Israel at the time, um, you know, countries from all over the world, people were there, just like you were just there. Um, so, you know, it's... So one of the things, to your point, uh, Israel has been a very, very popular place for tourists of all types. Yeah. And uh, so we're learning of people from America, from Canada, from England, from Brazil, from Mexico, from Thailand, from all over the world. Uh, and uh, it's tragic. You know, you have all these multiple in, um, nations trying to help Israel 
find the people that were shot and killed. I think that's what people forget, too, is that Tel Aviv Airport is one of the busiest airports in the world. I mean, you know, there's all these flights from all over the world that are converging in there all the time. Yeah, I so when I was just in Israel, I was picking people up at the airport and I was looking at the schedule board, Dubai, Poland, um, Ukraine, London, France, Mexico. I mean, all over the world, people are coming to to Israel. And I was at Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Memorial um, Museum, and I saw people with T-shirts in Chinese and in Japanese. And um, so yeah. it's, you know, it's an inter- Israel is an international country that people respect and value in Israel. The Israelis have built it up uh, over the past 75 years into one of the leading countries in the world. And now it's been halted by yeah. this intrusion. What, what can people do to help? Well, right now I'm getting calls for volunteers and for financial support. So right now my uh, relationships with people in Israel is they need financial support. So again, we have a, a link on our website. Um, there are There is a request for medical professionals to volunteer, doctors, nurses, uh, prim- primarily right now trauma psychologists yeah. uh, because of the trauma. You think about the, the trauma that has taken place over the past uh, almost week now uh, for children and for families, it's it's unbelievable. You know, when you call today somebody and they don't answer their phone in 10 or 15 minutes, you call back again, you call back again, you call back again, and when they don't answer, uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, challenging. That's a good point. Are is communication lines open there? Are cell phones working? Cell phone towers? Um, I, I, it's inconsistent. Um, but I just on another side note, I learned the other day that. Um, there's a vulnerability with cell phones and uh, the need for hyper-sensitive communication, satellite phones, et cetera, are being requested. Yeah. Let me just share a couple of other quick things. People want to drop off food or things, clothing and stuff. Uh, that's not what is being requested now. Um, what's being requested now are for volunteers who can help in the medical professions. But I anticipate in the next you know couple of weeks there will be a request for volunteers to help rebuild some of these communities that were destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um, I could go on and on and on. I really wanted to do this with you today to just update people on what's going on, to stay tuned to the news. I will say President Biden has been uh, very forthcoming with support uh, for Israel. Um, uh, Secretary Blinken was just there with Netanyahu. Yeah, yeah. And there's a government angle that still needs to be analyzed. You know, what happened? How did this happen? But world opinion right now is on Israel's side. Uh, Israel also knows that it, it has to address the issue of, of Hamas in Gaza. And to be uh, forthcoming, we know that that's not going to be an easy thing for people to digest uh, because um, Hamas uses people as human shields. Yeah. You know, they have their their warehouses and their ammo places and their, their, um, their centers in mosques and in hospitals and in schools. And Israel's going to have to figure out how to address that. Plus, you've got an estimated 150 hostages throughout Gaza right now, so they need to be sensitive to that. Right. So they uh, anybody can go to the website, uh, jfedps.org. Um, any other resources that we should talk uh, well, about? They're, they're, I'm going to put up uh, on our website in the next couple of days the other places where you can uh, financially support. But we we support our partners in Israel. Uh, 100% of what is donated goes uh, directly to Israel. 
to yeah. the, our partners in Israel. You know, and as we're saying, we stand with Israel now and forever. Yeah, solidarity with Israel is very important. And um, this community uh, that uh, that has reached out to me is demonstrating that. Jeff, thank you very much for this yeah. opportunity. Yeah, thank you, Alan. And you've been listening to Getting to Know You. This is a special edition with an update on Israel.